Hello everybody and welcome back to the Resurrected Winners You podcast as ever. My name is David. Oh, and this is episode 37. I am making a mess of this intro already. My name is David and I'm sitting 1,997 miles across from Mr. Alex Aldridge. How are you doing today, Alex? I went I went for subtlety today with my, my distance. You clever boy. I, I got it. I'm sure everybody else got it. But enough talk. How about you? As they would say. I, I, before you, Except in the version we played. Yeah, before before you told me how you were doing, I just totally cut you off. I assume you're well. No. No? Absolutely terrible? I'm getting, I'm getting well. You're getting well. I was terrible. I am now less terrible. Look terrible. I have fake lighting to make myself look nice and glowy and golden, rather than pasty and black-eyed like I am. From lack of sleep and illness. And and being a video game player is your primary hobby, meaning your your sunlight and your vitamin D exposure must be much Confirmed slower. by doctors yesterday. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot you said that. <laughs> your vitamin D is a bit low. Yeah, I play video games, mate. You're a vitamin D deficient man. What's this t-shirt you've got on the go? It's a really old one. It's just of a band. I feel I like it was quite appropriate. Yeah, for the, I feel uh, like it feels like it's at least mm. in the ballpark of... Old Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which we will be speaking uh, yeah. about extensively tonight. Although... Gothic? Yeah, it is. It is. Right. Okay, here goes. It is close to Castlevania Symphony of the Night because it, there are, it looks very zombie-ish for those that are listening to the audio version of this podcast. And there are zombies in various places throughout the castle. But caveat that with the, bre- the sort of breadth of enemies that are in this game... You yeah. could be wearing any t-shirt at all, and there's probably going to be an enemy that is very much like this. Uh, yeah, just pick pick a any kind of monster from any kind of horror movie from any kind of era. Probably so there. often in this bleeding game, you'd like encounter an enemy that was you're like, oh, hello, and then you would walk out of that room never to see that enemy type again, like. Yeah, they're basically. So, they're, they are so diverse. I mean, that's obviously a good thing. There's only one room the schmooze hang out in. That's oh, sure. I hate the schmooze. And I do, the one that jumped to mind is the the sort of jumping grave headstones that you see in like one yes. corridor and that's it. <laughs> yeah. They take quite a pounding as well. I mean, I guess they would. They are, they are essentially just they a are slab of stone. Slab of stone in a corridor just hopping around. I mean, you only ever get like that one long corridor where you've got that real like the the weirdest enemies of the lot where you've got like um i can't really remember what it is now it's like a weird kind of green lizard hairy monster thing with a woman coming oh out the yeah they're like they're like scorpions but instead of having a sting in the back of your tail it's just some half naked lady 
and it explodes in a absolute ball of fire when you've defeated it. And, or, and you know, in that corridor, you, did you ever notice there was a big eye in the background, like looking through the windows? No, I didn't notice that at all. It's, it's like in the background windows, in the, the, right at the back. It's like a little big eye just kind of following you as you go along. Do you have a do you have a favorite enemy that you thought like I don't know I'll let you I was gonna I was gonna give you some like stipulations and rules for a favorite enemy but do you just have one without me giving you any rules to abide by? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I like the I like the books because the books are good. They're obviously a little bit 3D. Mm-hmm. I like that if you run away from them, they they just continually chase you on mass and. The like stuff just comes out of the pages. That's just like weapons out of oh, pages. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's their attack. Um, Talking of I've that room, kind of... that it's not even just one room. It's like one small section of that room. There's those like poison cloud things. That's another enemy that you run into once. And yeah, never ectoplasm, see again. right? The yeah. ones that have got like little heads in them. Yeah, yeah. I love ectoplasm. They they recur throughout the games moving forward. Right. Okay. Other enemy type. What else have we got? I tell you, my least favourite, and I'm sure it's the same as you. What's that? The fucking Medusa heads. Oh, yeah, Medusa. Oh my god. Yeah, they were they were such a son of a bitch. So many random wet. The 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 sniper wifey that is sort of on this mechanical lift that's on a on a ceiling in <laughs> yeah. the underground. Yeah, and just goes back yeah. and forth, and it's so bad at hitting you. I've always enjoyed the um, the skeleton booting his own head around oh yeah called called yorick which is obviously a reference to shakespeare what um are, what is the enemy at the start of the game where you kill them and they sort of explode you know what i'm talking about they're like they're like frankenstein mixed with y- yeah the the zombie soldier thing where you just like they explode yeah. in blood mm-hmm. yeah they, they have the best death animation i also really hate them um little like butterfly skeleton things that go invisible and come and then, like, follow you and then materialize. Oh, I again. hated them. There was only way of, just like predicting them because I, I couldn't. I just by that point, I had the the bat that had the damage sonar, it. and I just like every time I was going down a corridor, I was just <laughs> smashing triangle just in case yeah. he was in there to give him a little bit of a an old slap. Yeah, they were right pain in the ass. There were some real sons of bitches. Though I had a tough time. I hate that. I think I told you as well. I hate that woman in the catacombs in this inverted castle that's like she's a flower and she can make loads of those flowers come out of oh, the ground that yeah. you can't destroy and fires darts at you. Oh, my she God. She normally just, I couldn't get near her. She'd just be pinging those darts yeah. at me and I'd just keep getting knocked off the screen all the yep. time. Yep. So, so many times you'd, you'd come in, you'd do a bit of damage, someone would hit you and you'd fall off the screen and... That's it. That reset the worst. <laughs> all the damage resets. All the enemies respawn just because you've been knocked back through a doorway. <laughs> yeah, that you usually got that from the dude on the horse as well, didn't you? There's just a mad dude on the horse oh, just yeah. going like just it's comes careering into you and then just yeah. goes away again. It's just incredible. The enemy design in this game is out. It's just outstanding. It's, it's just so inventive and madcap, and it's just they thought of everything. Yeah, it, madcap is the perfect word because it's just in, it's just insane. There's like there's because it ranges from the like what you would just say, oh yeah, that's a cool, well designed enemy, to the funny, and then also yeah. the hideously grotesque yeah. as well. There's there's one um, that I found really funny. I think we talked about this as well offline. Um, you know the like kind of half invisible sword woman, like she had like a rapier or something. And 
Mm. It looks like a floating sword, but then when they're going to attack you, they kind of you get like a weird silhouette, whatever. And there was the the female version of that. Every time you hit it, she would be like, Pung! "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." yeah. That's such a my dog, my youngest dog, did not like that noise. Every time, she yeah, was you told doing me that. that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was like pricking up like a meerkat, charging about to try to figure out where that noise was coming from. <laughs> and then there was the big lads who were the similar like silhouette sword things. And when they died, they're like, Arr! like something out of Smash TV. I enjoyed that as well. What on earth was that enemy that was like a green goblin with a shovel that just sort of flames sort of fell off the shovel? Prick. <laughs> Fucking prick. Because <laughs> so if you weird. leave him, if you leave, you leave him <laughs> unattended, he will fill the screen <laughs> with fire. What a game, though, I guess, like overall. I was saying, I was saying to you last night where we were playing Elden Ring that this i need to i need to sit and sort of think about it for a while because i don't just want to make a make a rash decision here but this may be like top 10 possibly top 5 games of all time for me now this I think this it, game was yeah i think it was for me beforehand as well so i'm so i'm so glad this must be the biggest victory we've had on the podcast so far i think so yeah truly been adopted and loved by the person who hadn't played it mm-hmm. versus, you know i think so cuz i was sent you before as well just to repeat for the podcast, like we're talking about, we did. Well, I'm blanking on the name now. Metroid, Super Metroid, Super Metroid for the last podcast, and it obviously is a great game, and I can appreciate what it does, and I can see why people like it, but it just didn't grab me. Partly because of perhaps where I was at in terms of gameplay and trying to juggle two games at the same time, but also just because because of its age, really. Whereas this game is is an old game now. How old is it now? Twenty. 25 years 25 years old and it's still i would say probably every bit as good as it was i mean that's not to say it's a perfect game there are things that irritated the life out of me like for example every time you died it just kicked you straight out into the main menu again and the with that really weird game over screen where it says something like was it let us go out for pleasure tonight or something oh yeah something like yeah it was what the hell is that all about? What does that even mean? Who knows? I'll look, I'll look that up while you while you carry on with your bugbears about the game. The other the other one is is that yeah, it did introduce fast travel, but I I didn't feel that the fast travel was ever sort of I don't know, I think maybe this is just a problem I've got with these games. By the time I've spent what, like upwards of six, seven, eight hours running about the same area. I want. I just want to be able to get from area to area, and there's all too often I was finding myself having to really traverse quite significant distances in this game, and I don't. I don't know how you get around that because that's maybe just the nature of the game. But yeah, like I just got to the point where I, I just wished because it's like I've I've already done this multiple times. Just yeah, let me get yeah. to where I'm trying to go, and and there's bits and pieces where the the fast travel setup that either you're a little bit far away from a fast travel point. Or you're not quite close enough to another one, and you've got to do a bit of traversing just to get to it. Yeah, it's quite annoying as well when the one, the place that you wanted to go to, would be equidistant between two fast travel points, yeah. and it made it almost impossible to pick the one you want. And you think, well, n- none of this really benefits me here. The one I had, uh, I mean, I probably, I, I absolutely, I'll, I'll need you, you'll need to go back and have a look at my Twitch channel to see that I just cheese the life out of Dracula at the end because what I did a couple times because I made a mistake and had to do it twice. I can't remember how I made a mistake. Oh, I know how I made a mistake. So basically what I was doing is I was, I was always hoping I would find a shop in the second half of the game. 
which me, I guess me we'll too. get to, which I never did. And I was like, well, I know I'm about to go fight Dracula, the boss here, so I'm going to go and stock up in health potions and maybe just buy up stuff that I haven't bought yet. Because mm. I'd gone like probably about 60% of the game without being near uh, a shop because I just kept waiting on one appearing. So I, mm-hmm. I used one of my meal ticket, not meal, library cards to get me back to the shop. Yeah. And I had equipped it on Circle. So then I did all my shopping, bought all my stuff, got back to where I needed to go in the inverted castle and then accidentally pressed circle and, <laughs> and zapped myself back again. And there's no real, and you can't, you can't really, you can only get to the inverted castle from one place. Cause I went, I even tried, you I went to a warp yeah. zone and tried going around them all thinking, oh, eventually take me to one of the inverted ones. Does not So you've got to then walk all the way back. So I had to do that trip twice, but that, I mean, that was my own stupidity, but I just wish the game had let me. Well, I mean, that is part of the the issue, I guess, behind the the fact that you have to equip anything in your inventory to use it. That's another bugbear: the inventory management or Worst lack still with of the food, where you have to throw the. Although it is cool, did you did you watch that video I sent you? Yeah. You see the bit about when you throw when you want to eat the peanuts, you've got to throw them and catch them in his mouth. Yeah, I remember trying to do that. I never managed. Did you not? No, I only have, I only ever had two. Threw them in the air and then totally missed. <laughs> I think I yeah didn't realize that I'd even done it. I was probably in a boss fight, just pressing it like mad. I d- I did kind of click because basically you get to the point where you can. There's some of these things that you can figure out what the game's getting at once you get your sort of eye in. And I knew that I was yeah. like, oh, that's what it wants me to do. And I just missed. I just absolutely flunked it. <laughs> it's just a, that's such a neat little touch, though. Yeah, the game's full of stuff like that. So many little touches like that. Um, like the. You know, when you get that um, power of Sire or whatever it is, the special move that does like loads of damage. And when you use it, um, a, a, it's like a silhouette of a picture of Vlad Tepes comes on screen, who is like the inspiration for Dracula himself and is the name of Dracula in this, I don't based think off I, of Vlad the Inhaler. I don't, think, I don't think I saw that. I was going to actually ask Madness. you, though, that there's a, I don't know if it's a weapon or an <clears throat> item I got at some point. It was just a painting of a guy. Do you know what that does? Because I could never. That's the thing it out. I'm talking about. Oh, is that exactly the thing you're talking about? You just use it, and it like it kills everything on screen, or really damages a boss. Ah, uh, I should have used it against Dracula at the end. Or that other thing, the big, um, the big gold bastard, which I'm assuming you did fight in the end, did you? I think I fought everything. The big gold guy. Yeah, he's fucking massive, and he's got like a big staff, and he shoots a lot. He shoots lightning at you, and he takes about a million hits to kill. I must have done because I searched. You'd have, you'd have remembered this, unless you absolutely smashed him, which I can't believe you would. I'll have a look through his bosses. The, the general consensus about that, let's go out this evening for pleasure, the night is still young. People seem online to think that that's a reference to just telling you to stop playing and do something else with your life. <laughs> that's the only significance to it. I'm going to have to look at this guy. Uh, he is called Gallimoth, I think. Did I fight that guy? I must have done. How could I not have? Surely you'd have remembered this, because this guy is so difficult. He's got so much health. Koji Igarashi, the one of the well, he was producer on this one, I believe, or assistant director. Sorry, yeah, he was assistant director, and then he went on to become the producer of the series after that. Which is why all the subsequent games play very similarly to this. Okay. And lots of them basically ditch the whole pre Symphony of the Night style, which is not really the style that people talk about when they're mentioning Metroidvania as a yeah. genre. That's more just like a action platformer because in this one they were told it was supposed to be a spin-off 
of Castlevania, right. so they they had license to just do whatever they wanted. Um, he has said that that is that he thinks that's the hardest boss in the game, and he's right because it takes absolutely ages to kill him, and those lightning attacks will wreck you hardcore unless mm-hmm. you've got resist lightning or resist thunder on. But yeah, I guess that brings us nicely into sort of main part of the podcast. So I'm going to do a bit of reading for you, Alex. So apologies. You may, well, you've got a beer there, so yeah, I guess you can sit back and sit back and have a little enjoy while I get through this bit. Um, yeah. And at the end of this bit, I, I, I want to, and we've maybe, hmm, we've kind of discussed it enemies-wise, but I want you to have a think about what your standout moments for the game is, because I think that's what we're going to move on to next. Okay. So the, obviously the development of this game began back in 1994. It was uh, Wow, oh, okay. And by the way, it was initially released in PAL regions on the 1st of November 1997. Um, yeah, this, so we're actually early, really early for the one that matters to us. Yeah, if, the first time the we've Japanese, ever been early. Yeah, the Japanese release was March something, wasn't it? Yeah, and then there was October, I think, for the US release. If That's I correct. correct. Um, this was originally slated to be... Remember when games came out in different... In different like Dramatically different times in different territories. That was mad, Barely. wasn't it? Like months and months. That was insane. Years like, sometimes. I remember in the Xbox 360 era, that even that was slightly better. It well, actually it was a lot better because that was like a. But that was only because we had Fridays in America, Tuesdays, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd get it Tuesdays, and we'd have to get it Friday, which means like the reviews would drop probably in the states on like the Monday. Yeah. So like we'd be seeing people playing games about yeah. a week, about roughly about a week beforehand, which. Which drove me around the bend. But anyway, but at especially least you could buy it at the weekend. Yeah, well, it always made so sense we had a to me. To play so I'm, I'm yeah. trying to remember about listening to podcasts and things and talking about why they did. That. I think Tuesday is essentially a delivery day for like music shops and and media stores in in the states. So that's okay. why it was a Tuesday. It was because it was basically just here it goes, get it on the shelf. Whereas there's actual mm. thought put into it in the in, <laughs> yeah. the in the in the UK or the European market. It's like Friday, people are finishing work, they want something to do for the weekend. Buy a game, yeah. play it all weekend. That makes absolute yeah. sense. Fools. It was originally slated to be a game for the Sega 32X and was originally to be called Castlevania The Bloodletting. A playable prototype was made, but internally Konami decided to switch focus from Sega consoles to focus on the PlayStation, and eventually some of the ideas from Castlevania The Bloodletting made their way into Symphony of the Night. Some listeners may be surprised to hear that Symphony of the Night wasn't initially scheduled to be a full-blown member of the Castlevania series, which is what you touched on, Alex. It was actually uh, conceptualised as an offshoot. This is why, and Alex, you'll need to confirm this for me, which you already have, um, they were able to take some risks with the game, which which involved, like, so I didn't realise this, but a lot of Castlevania games up to this point, apart from Castlevania 2, is that right, followed, like, a more linear, structured level base. Uh, yeah. It was less about the map. I don't think Castlevania 2 has a lot of reverence among the fan base, so I think for whatever it tried, it seems a bit like a Zelda 2 thing. You know, it's like the weird sort of stepchild that nobody seems to love. Um I've never played that one up because I've just heard bad things about mm. it. Another but another yeah, like everything else like Rondo of Blood, the Genesis mm. one or Mega Drive for us, Super Castlevania 4. It's all level one, two, three, and it's just, yeah, you go from left to right. I don't think I've got it here in my notes, but I think I was, when I was, was it, was it that video you sent me to look at or did I pick it up somewhere else when I was sort of researching for this game? 
I think part of the confusion maybe that's come from me and Rondo of Blood, because I kept getting those mixed up, because Castlevania Symphony of the Night is a direct sequel to Rondo of Blood, right? The the beginning of Symphony of the Night is the final battle of Rondo of Blood. Apparently, but I didn't realise until today, Rondo of Blood didn't come out in Western territories until 2010. Yeah, which I believe was on the Wii. So it's an um, older game, the virtual but console. newer. It was a Turbo ways. Graphics game or a PC engine, yeah. Which didn't really take off over here, so it never came out. I wonder why it didn't come out in these territories, because I feel like this, the sort of Metroidvania style is much bigger in Western territories these days than it is in Japanese. These days, yes, but apparently this sold really poorly in the West. When it, Symphony of the Night, I mean, when it came out. I think, it, yeah, um, we will touch... really well in Japan, though. That's true. We will touch on that, but I think... And like I say, we will touch on this a bit more in depth, but I think part of that was because it was on a console that was like the new 3d thing and this is a 2d game yeah i don't think that went over very well with the the public no but that um yeah i mean if you want to go into that later we can but that definitely plays into the fact that earlier on when you were saying you prefer this to super metroid Mm -hmm. the difference you can make between those two games is that super metroid is a game that really seems to be pushing the snes's capabilities as far as it will go Mm -hmm. and has to work within the the boundaries that that console sets whereas symphony of the night is almost purposely like undercut itself mm. from the high end that you could push the playstation to in order to make a really massive involved like doubled halfway through 2d adventure game which you know if they made this a 3d game it wouldn't be anywhere near as large in scope in terms of like the number of rooms, yeah. the, you know, the size of the castle, but because it was 2D, because it wasn't pushing the PlayStation as far as it as it could at that point, because it was quite early on. Yeah, interestingly, um, it did it did bring with it its own challenges, though. So apparently, and again, this is later on. Let me just let me just get to it. Um, basically, um, here it goes. Yeah, so Symphony Night, the PS One didn't contain hardware that allowed scrolling on screen, which so as a result, game artist I, Ayama Ayami Kojima. Um, oh yeah, f- yeah. She's a female. Yeah, I remember hearing about right. her earlier on so today. She, she took a Japanese art style known as bishonen, bishonen, b i s h o n e n, and adapted it to the video game medium, which involved essentially what we see in Symphony of the Night um, with moving backgrounds behind two. It was slapped behind two D sprites. So basically, the, yeah. the, the the PlayStation console didn't like. Was was it the what was that that thing that didn't exist really that they put into the the snes they said it had is something it well, was I mean, in the, it was, it was in to the, counter blast processing on this on the Mega Drive. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I know that parallax scrolling is a thing that used to happen in 16-bit era. I think that made those I think that's work. what I'm, I think that's what I'm, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, yeah. So yeah, basically it, well, it was. It's, it's all polygonal based, isn't it? Most mm-hmm. of the PlayStation stuff. So I guess that's why it's a different. It's a totally different graphical style, so I can understand how that might not work if you're not using typical sprites that you used to. If you're using now polygonal 3D models, yeah. I can understand how scaling wouldn't work the same way, or scrolling rather wouldn't work the same way. Yeah, exactly. And there are bits actually where obviously, obviously they've done a great job with it, and for the most part, it's it the the kind of workarounds they've found for this work fairly well but i did notice and there's like some outside sections where you're flying around as a bat and you've got no environment around you apart from mm. the sort of the background and it is mm. the, this the sense of movement vanishes entirely did you ever have that see that in the game and it just yeah. feels like you've got a sprite that's not moving well it's moving but it's not 
it's not sort of traversing across the screen until yeah. like a wall comes into view again. It, that's uh, to me. I guess that's probably yeah, I see, why. I know what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, and, and in hindsight, now knowing this about the sort of difficulties they had with the PlayStation console, that that makes sense. Are you less annoyed about the five a la cards on screen? Um. As you think that as that maybe have been put in to to give the sense of. I'm less. Yeah, I'm less annoyed by it. More, I just found movement. it quite confusing and my assumption <laughs> while playing it was like thinking about how sort of vampires are portrayed in popular media they, they when they're moving fast or they're doing anything at, at pace there is a sort of ethereal sort of fuzzy nature to some of them and ethereal i wonder a good word for it yeah i wondered if they were trying to emulate that but actually I think so it could be that um i wonder if it is just in part trying to make it look like the characters moving I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, because the enemies don't move that way. So I always felt that's that it true. Was a, that's true. It must be that then, because I, I, yeah. I still, I'm still like quite confused by it. Kind of yeah. yeah, I'm still quite confused by it. Apparently, and I think that's true. I was trying to think, and I can't think of any other example. The game does use the 3D engine in the PS1 on two occasions, and that's basically the opening and closing cinematics. Oh God. Yeah. But apparently, and and rightly so, because they look bad. Um, Igarashi really bad. is reported to have been really disappointed to them because the, the textures just look bland and, and totally void of like personality and character. Well, it lo- it looks like when you see like you know um, a, a making of documentary for like a development studio, and they've got all those just like what looks like virtual clay, don't they? And they're just like making arms yeah. move, or like when somebody like Andy Serkis has got all his little fucking tracking balls stuck to him and he's running around as a golem but it's just like a grey blob on screen it just looked like that it was horrible there's nothing on it there's no yeah. detail it was terrible the other the other thing that I've not gotten in my notes but that did jump out at me to the time and I did see mentioned from time to time was that um, oh my god I keep wanting to call him Rikard what's the guy you start as Richter <laughs> who's Rikard I, I don't know I have absolutely <laughs> no idea maybe it's like Captain Picard plus Richter <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, right. Um, Did it again, <laughs> Richter. Richter, Victor Belmont. He his sprite in game is very different from the sort of sprite version of his head they show when he's having conversations with people. Did you notice that? So when you see Rick, uh, Richter Belmont moving about in screens, he's like wearing some sort of warrior get up, and he's got his, his mm. whip and stuff like that. But then when he stops to speak to people, and it brings up like their headshot. Everybody's yeah. very similar to what they are in game, apart from him. For some reason, he's, yeah, like, he's got um, like flowing locks and all. Yeah, this, he's it? like got his smart clothes on. I, I didn't really get that. I thought that was a. It, it just didn't fit very well for some reason. It, I, I didn't know. I definitely noticed that myself as well, and thought, "Is there supposed to? Am I supposed to be seeing this hair in sprite form? Because I don't see the hair. Yeah, is it under his collar? But why is it coming out when he talks? Does he like whip, <laughs> he whips his hair out every time he's ready to make a point? Yeah, he must do. He must do. Hey, Alucard. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to the the sort of changes that you were talking about. We were talking about with the game. Um, another one of the changes was the introduction of RPG mechanics. Um, yeah. Basically, apparently the thinking. A very welcome one. Yeah, exactly. Um, apparently, the thinking behind these, what they well, they were deemed as major changes, were because it. In Japan, when you would walk into a game sh- a game store, these type of like Metroidvania games, whatever they were called back in those days, you would tend to see them in bargain bins in Japanese stores. And basically, 
I think the thinking was behind with behind the designers what was that there was no replayability to these games and they were very one and yeah. done. You get through them, you get rid of them and you move on with your life. So to sort of encourage... Yeah, which re- was quite the opposite to uh, the way I would have thought it would have been in the States because, uh, you know, a lot of people seem to like Castlevania from the American podcast we listen to, like mm. Castlevania 3, Castlevania 1 on the NES. That seems to be really well loved by mm. a lot of kids from that era um, who probably did just play it over and over again, I guess. I as, as you say, I guess Japanese people didn't and maybe that's why this sold better in japan because they definitely like japanified the gameplay as well as like um the the main character alucard mm. is more of like a you know slightly more androgynous feminine flowing locks kind of gothic dude versus yeah. the belmont clan we're all just butch dudes with whips and big muscles and shit yeah yeah absolutely so i can see yeah i can see how maybe it was potentially made to be more appealing to a Japanese audience. Yeah, yeah. In a se- yeah. And essentially, so basically they were sitting down and thinking, how could we change? And the other thing that I I, I didn't realise until I was... I sort of realised there was bits and pieces of it while I was playing the game, but I didn't fully accept that there's multiple endings to this game as well, which I think is quite interesting. I guess we can get to that later on. Uh, are there any more than the, the two that we did? Well, let's, let's do it now then. Let's well, there's technically three, because there's Kill Richter... That's the ending one. Kill the little green blob instead of Richter. That's technically the ending, but not because you then carry on and then you get the ending at the end of the ending. We've okay. done the inverted cars or that ending. Is there any more than that? So there's Alucard's bad ending. In all versions of Alucard's story, he encounters a, a visibly corrupted Richter Belmont presiding over a gladiatorial arena within the heart of Dracula's castle, forcing Alucard to face off against fearsome monsters before retreating. Alucard gets the opportunity to battle against Richter personally in the castle's throne room, and if Alucard focuses on striking Richter directly or goes into the fight without having the holy glasses equipped, Alucard will kill Richter and leave the castle pondering what happened to corrupt the Belmont Light. Mm -hmm. To forgo this bad ending, Alucard must acquire and equip the gold and silver rings with the former obtained after defeating the succubus in the castle's catacombs, while the latter is found in the royal chapel. Equipping both rings while entering the castle centre at the clock tower is located will prompt Maria Renard to appear and give Alucard the holy glasses. Equipping these holy glasses during the fight with Richter reveals a magical orb hovering over the Bel- over the Belmont, which Alucard could strike and destroy instead. So you also get Alucard's good ending. Symphony of the Night's standard good ending occurs if Alucard successfully destroyed the magical orb controlling Richter instead of slaying the young vampire hunter. Dracula's dark priest shaft will resurface and cause an inverted version an inverted version of the castle, that's a mouthful, to appear overhead with a portal just beyond the throne room linking the two. Inside, Alucard faces even more formidable monsters while racing to prevent Shaft from resurrecting Dracula in the inverted castle centre. Afterwards, Alucard faces off against Shaft, an imperfectly resurrected and imperfectly resurrected Dracula in back-to-back fights, destroying his father while reminding him that his mother Lisa truly loved him. In the aftermath, Alucard leaves leaves her parts unknown while Maria decides to heed his advice and not pursue him, instead rejoining recovering Richter. And then there's Alucard's best ending which is Symphony Knight has a better true ending for Alucard, obtainable only if players unlock the inverted castle by cleansing Richter of killing him and 
cleansing Richter instead of killing him and fully exploring both versions of the castle before defeating Shaft and Dracula. As with the standard good ending, this is a 200.6% total area to be credited on Symphony Night's map, with at least 196% needed to be filled into the map to achieve the true ending. The true ending plays out much like the standard good ending with the key exception that Richter encourages Maria to pursue Alucard. The young woman follows Alucard on his wandering journey, ostensibly striking up a romance with him, though Alucard does not elaborate on what became of her when he resurfaces in the 21st century during Castlevania Area of Sorrow. Holy shit. Um, and there's... I'm going to go see what my uh, percentage was. So for Richter's ending, after beating Castlevania at Symphony of the Night, players can unlock a secret playthrough of the game by inputting Richter's name when creating a new save file. Armed I with, wondered how you could do that. I really wanted to do that. Yeah, armed with the legendary killer's vampire killer, vampire killer whip and boasting the same combat style possessed during Symphony Night's prologue, Richter must navigate both versions of Dracula's castle, packing quite a punch but being more physically vulnerable than Alucard had been. Richter's story continues... Um, Story comes to a close, sorry, in the inverted castle centre, much like Alucard's good endings do, with the final battle against Shaft. Unlike Alucard, there's no battle against Dracula, with the playthrough potentially presenting a possible version of how Richter was corrupted by the Dark Wizard before Alucard's went into the castle after him. Mm. And then there's also Maria's ending, which we have... While initially planned as a playable character in the original Symphony of the Night, before being cut from the game due to time constraints... Maria was restored as a playable character in the Sega Saturn version port and remasters of Symphony Night included in Castlevania Dracula X Chronicles and Castlevania Requiem. That's the one we played. Right, okay. Now relying on hand-to-hand combat and magic instead of using animals to fight for her and like, like she does in Rondo of Blood, Maria has her own playthrough. Similar to Richter, Maria is unlocked by inputting her name in as a new save file after beating the game as Alucard. Like Richter's playthrough, she also navigates both versions of Dracula's castle before coming to a close of the final battle against Shaft in the inverted castle's centre. Similar to Alucard's good ending, Maria's playthrough ends with Dracula's castle crumbling into the sea, although Dracula himself isn't fought and the game does not elaborate on the story as Alucard's does. Another one that this doesn't say that I actually know about Maria's playthrough as well is the doppelgangers don't appear while you're playing through it for some okay. reason. But yeah, there's, I guess that's there's really two endings plus two bonus endings, I guess. Two bonus entire games. Yeah. Which I wonder how the Richter version starts. I'm assuming not with the Dracula fight. Yeah, I guess so. Probably just oh, start at the know. beginning of the castle. Yeah. I got 194.5%, by the way. I wonder what mine gutted. is. I wonder, Absolutely I'm gutted. Well, I got the Maria doesn't bother chasing after me, so... Definitely the same, yeah. Mine, my... my I was... My um, one and a half percent away from that apparently. Exploration must be similar to yours because I thought I had the only bits I hadn't explored as, as far as I could see was I couldn't figure it. There was a bit, you know, in the inverted castle, you've got to get under the waterfall. I couldn't. It was something to do with the jump. I remember you telling me, but I just couldn't figure out how to do it properly. So I didn't get underneath the waterfall, and then there was like the odd square that wouldn't like count. Well, say that I'd been through it, even though I had. Yeah, and I was when I was looking at that map that I sent you. There were a lot of pu- any purple areas on that map were areas that were secret. You'd have to break the wall or the floor oh, yeah. or the ceiling to get in. And there was one area I just could not figure out how to get in it. I was stood right where it was on the map I was looking at, trying to hit every wall, every ceiling, every bit of the floor. 
I just could not figure it out, and I just gave up from that point and thought, you know what, I'm going to go kill Dracula now. Um, but I was, yeah, I really wanted to do the Rick to play through before we did this, um, and I didn't really, I should have looked up how you do it. Never mind. Did you, this brief aside, did you, have you played Rondo of Blood at, at any point? Not at know, all. Any not at time? all. No. If you, if you thought Castlevania uh, Symphony of the Night was frustrating, then yeah. I, I almost felt like I was easing your pain <laughs> vicariously through me trying to play Rondo of Blood because that game is so hard and annoying because it's all classic Castlevania style. You get hardly any health. You've only got a couple of lives before it's a game over. Just, yeah, not good. Has it got the same exploration stuff? No. No. It's levels again. And what about like saving? Is it still the... Does it save level by level? Or do you still... Yeah. You have to find a save room. No, level by level. You've got to start the whole level again if you die. Well, oh no, there are God. checkpoints. Sorry, there are checkpoints. But if you run out of lives, then yeah, you start the whole thing again. I guess... I really guess, frustrating. I guess what this does tell us, though, is that they really did put a lot of thought into adding replayability to these games. And I guess the interesting yeah. thing about that is back in the day when this game came out in 97... I mean, the internet would have been around, but it wouldn't have been as prevalent as it was today. So I'm just not sure how is how as accessible the knowledge about how to do these things would have been. I guess I guess strategy guides were a thing because I I bought a lot of strategy guides probably up until like 2010, 2012. So yeah, they were very good things as well. Yeah, I think I've still got a few hanging about. I mean, yeah. So the the instructions on the ring are kind of split between each ring, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I think one says something like where clock room or something. Yeah. And the other one says while in the, or something. Yeah. Um, so I guess you would, if you had the mindset to want to try and explore the entire thing, and then you read the descriptions correctly, you would have figured it out. But I feel like a lot of people probably would have not known there was a second castle. No. Yeah. At that time. But yeah, like to sort of, like I was saying, like to sort of build on this and try and keep people playing these games and, re- and, and enhance the replayability of these games, the developers were keen to sort of reignite a sense of exploration that they had felt that was present in some earlier Castlevania games, but perhaps not all and up to the more modern Castlevania games. Yeah. Um, like as like we've already spoken about, Castlevania's for the most part up to this point have been fairly straightforward stage by stage action games. But then in Castlevania Symphony, they did away with this, having the entire map available to get from the get go to encourage players and exploration, a sense of wonder that would keep players coming back. I mean, like and and then as players would find items, it would open up parts of the parts of maps that people thought either didn't exist or were just inaccessible like you know like when you became a bat and you could suddenly fly you were like oh i can yeah. go all the way up to the roof and there's stuff up there I thought, oh, stuff like that was great yeah absolutely um igarashi's stimulus for this apparently was the legend of zelda series which i thought was pretty interesting considering it was yeah. a competing console um it's a series that did and does to this day set the notion of exploration at the very core of what it does and igarashi wanted to have a similar feeling for the castlevania series the idea being that players could explore the castle and gradually discover items like we've just said that would allow previously inaccessible or seemingly out of bounds areas for the castle to be explored it was also felt that role-play mechanics would alleviate some of the difficulty that had, deemed ex- that had been deemed excessive in previous games like Castlevania and allow player 
not players, wrong there. Yeah, and allow the game to, uh, to better reward players for exploration. So not only would it, it would reward players for going hunting for things, but it would allow players that are maybe less skilled to find and level up and do things that would then allow them to. to but it progress. also, yeah, and it also just plays a lot better. It's easier because it it works. Mm-hmm. Whereas I do really like the Snares and the the Mega Drive Castlevanias. They are excellent games with really cool ideas for the time, mm-hmm. but. The jumping has always been an issue for me in the older Castlevania games. And once you get used to it, it's less restrictive than you think it is on the surface. But if you if you played Ghouls and Ghosts, not played or any it, no. of Ghosts and Goblins, any of that shit. All right. Well, basically, when you jump, you're kind of locked into a jumping animation and an arc. So it'll only ever go like a specific in a specific arc, and you have to kind of um, time your jumps or put them. You know. Pre- press the jump button at a specific part of a platform to make the jump correctly if that makes sense because you will always go the same distance you'll always go the same height whereas in this one the jumping is a lot more like a mario game where it's kind of a free movement within the air kind of fake thing so the old castlevania jumping was more realistic if you were if you and i were to jump forward well that's it you're going forward you're not going to be able to turn around or back up in the air but in this symphony of the night you obviously can because it's more gamified so it just feels so much better to play as alucard whereas the other ones were they just feel a bit are a bit archaic and kind of sort of stilted in the way that they play they're a lot more difficult to get to grips with if you've never tried them before i i implore you to try rondo of blood and you'll see what i mean yeah I it'll, it'll, be, it'll blow your mind how big the jump was from that to this mm-hmm. The other thing I've just realised that I should have mentioned when we're talking about endings, it's, it's not really an ending and more of a beginning. Um, one thing that I, I didn't realise at all playing this game, that apparently, depending on how quickly you kill Dracula at the beginning with Richter, it affects your starting stats with Alucard when you begin the game. Oh, okay. So To, to what degree? Let me see. So, generally speaking, the quicker you beat Dracula and the less hits you take, the higher Alucard's initial stats will be. So, Alucard's starting MP is affected by which special weapon you're holding when Dracula dies. No weapon is worth 20 MP. A holy water... No weapon is worth 20 MP. A holy water is worth 25 MP. uh, And a cross is worth 30 MP. As the rest of your stats, they seem to be mostly based on how quickly you blow through this battle, although taking damage will lower your stats. Basically, you want to beat Dracula in under a minute with no damage for the best results, which should be assuming you don't get hit. And that would mean you start with 80 health, uh, potentially 60 MP, MP, 13 hearts, 12 strength, 13 constitution, 12 intelligence. Is it constitution? I think that's that's what it is in D&D anyway. I don't know. Oh, I thought it was concentration. Um, why would it be concentration, though? I always wondered why concentration was valued that highly when killing <laughs> vampire beasts. <laughs> Shit, constitution. Okay, what does that mean? Don't ask me. I was hoping you knew. Let's you play D and D. Well, try to once. Constitution means. Have you ever done it once? I thought you used to do it on the reg. Nah, I tried to. Just couldn't get over my own. I'd be the same. Constitution represents your character's health and stamina. A constitution bonus increases a character's hit points. Oh, okay. Interesting. A little D&D lesson for us all there. Um, Yeah, so next up I was going to discuss like what you thought your 
your standout moments for but if we come back to that I'll, I'll quickly nip into the story now so that we can just have a general chat about the whole game can I just end. briefly add actually before we go into that yep so it is constitution you are correct uh, but in apparently in most often in Castlevania it's the character's natural defense and their constitution plus their armor strength make up the defense stat proper which is it makes up their defense stat proper but you've also got a defense stat so do they sort of link in some way yeah because the defense stat will be coming from your armor Armor and stuff like that added added to your constitution to make a a total right okay. okay 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 that makes sense that probably there's probably some simple maths to do there if you were to go back and look at your armor's defense rating yeah. versus, and then add it to your con, you'd probably get whatever your defense was. Is there any other armor to use, really, other than the walking armor by the end of the game? Oh, no, I was using the Alucard, uh, Alucard plate, which resists fire, lightning, and ice. Oh, yeah, because it's got add-on benefits, right enough. Yeah. But it yeah, did have okay. way, way lower defense by that point, because as you say, the walk armor just goes nuts. Mm. by the end when you get to like 190 odd percent that weapon as well is that's judged by playtime when i was when we're, i was i found a weapon <laughs> 40 odd at, hours you're going to play it for it. 40 hours and what are my completion stats it must have been like 190 i must have been in the 190 percent is percentages yeah. was like what seven and a half eight hours something like that yeah so <laughs> what, what do you do the rest of the time or is this that's like what i was cumulative grinding constantly if it was cumulative, then fair enough, but it's not, I don't think. Because, like, well, are you. Do you just have to sort of sit in the game and, like, wander off and have some dinner and just leave it yeah. running for 40 hours? Absolutely mad. What a waste of time. It's too long. I ended up with their. What did I have? Osaf, was it Os, Osafune Katana? I think that was. What... It's like a two handed weapon that's quite quick. Because that had over 100 oh, damage. I think by I ended the end. up with a, a one handed weapon by the end. Was it just you did, like... yeah, you did. I don't know why you were getting lower stats on your on that weapon than I was weird yeah anyway we've been doing it long enough and we've we've kind of given a, a rough run through but let's quickly do the story first and then that's just got a, a rough idea about the entire game so hope you've got some beer left Alex sit back with a Steve Weiser <laughs> and enjoy so Castlevania Symphony Night begins during the ending of the previous game in the series Castlevania Rondo who's Rondo Good question. What the hell does that mean? Because I see now because because of Alucard's name, every single odd thing in Castlevania, I try and read backwards now. But I think it, Alucard is the only one that does it <laughs> that I can tell. Yeah, where Richter Belm in Rondo Blood, where Richter Belmont confronts and defeats Count Dracula. Four years later, in 1796, Richter goes missing in Dracula's castle. Uh, and Dracula's castle reappears. Alucard arrives at the castle to, de- to destroy it, meeting Maria Renard, who fought alongside Richter and is searching for him. Alucard meets Richter, who claims to be the new lord of the castle, convinced that Richter is under somebody else's control. Maria urges Alucard not to hurt him and gives him the holy glasses, which allows him to see past illusions. In the castle's keep, Alucard con- confronts Richter and learns that he plans to resurrect Dracula so the two can fight for an eternity. During a fight, Alucard breaks the spell controlling Richter and Dracula's servant Shaft appears and tells him that Dracula will be resurrected soon. Alucard leaves Richter and Maria to confront Shaft uh, 
venturing into an upside down duplicate of the castle uh, to seek to seek him out. Shaft reveals he planned to end the threat of the Belmont clan by controlling one of them and forcing the clan to fight one another. After defeating Shaft, sorry, then full stop. After defeating Shaft, Alucard faces his father, who vows to bring an end to humankind because Alucard's mother Lisa was executed as a witch, which is in the anime, right? I do need yes. to try and watch this anime. Apparently, it's quite good. Really good. Alucard refuses to join his father in his revenge, and he defeats him. Alucard tells Dracula that he has been thwarted many times. Tells Dracula that he has been thwarted many times because he lost the ability to love after Lisa's death, and that Lisa's final words were of eternal love of him and a plea not to hate or at least harm humanity. That's before, right. Yeah. Before Dracula dies, he asks for Lisa's forgiveness and bids his son farewell. After escaping the collapsing castle, Alucard joins Maria and Richter. Maria is relieved that he escaped, while Richter blames himself as the reasons for Alucard's fight with his father. Alucard tells Richter the only necessary, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing, and resolves to disappear from the world because of his cursed bloodline. Depending on how many, how much of the castle the players explored, as we've discussed, Maria either chases Alucard in the hope of changing his mind, or resigns herself to Alucard's fate and leaves him with Richter. It's a really simple story, but I, I quite yeah, enjoyed it. it. Yeah. When it turned out that Alucard had been like brainwashed and you had to fight him, I was like, "Oh my god!" Blew, yeah, blew. when he's sitting there in the in the Colosseum, setting yeah. his mates on you. Turns out, that and the and the beginning Alucard. of the story is amazing, and the, the the inverted castle is amazing. Whereas not necessarily amazing in the way that it plays out as a story point, it's just amazing that it happens and it works. Um, yeah. Rond- yeah. By the way, Rondo is like to do with music. It's to do with like. It means round in Italian, I think. So it's like when a, a piece of music has a song structure that varies, but it always returns to the same main theme. Okay, so it's apparently. like Ring of Blood sort of idea, if you were reading it. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. So, yeah, that, I guess... Um, also, shout out to the fact that there's a guy called Shaft in this. Yes, I did think Shaft. that... Shaft! Yeah. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get Dracula up from the dead, baby. I guess the the sort of key moment in this game for most people is the inversion, right? In the in, so. in the realization, because you sort of think you're coming towards the end of the game, yeah. And then there's the realize. Well, I guess there's plenty. There's multiple realizations, which is what makes it so amazing. And one is that I guess for most people, they're thinking they're coming towards the end of the game, and then they realize that they're under halfway through, probably. And then also that. There's odd. There's bits of the castle that feel oddly designed. Is that yeah. fair to say? And yeah. then when the the castle flips on itself, you're like, oh no, it's not oddly designed. This is actually superbly designed in a way that I just didn't appreciate until now. Yeah, I really, I really hope that that's we're not like looking too deeply into it, mm-hmm. and that it was specifically built like this will also work upside down because it will do this mm-hmm. rather than. What happens if we flip it? Does it still work? And then it did. I'd rather it was like a conscious choice to kind of put Easter eggs almost it in there, or foreshadowing be, right? for the upside down. I would be. hope so. It must be. I, yeah. I, I will say though that one thing that is my brain just couldn't handle the sort of inverted mirrorness of the 
of the castle. So like if someone you know, like I knew by the time I got to the end of the the right way up castle, I knew my way around that thing. Like oh, totally. Hand. Yeah, I still didn't know my way around it. Inverted. No. Like I, I just treated. This that's as why a you and area. I. Yeah, you and I were struggling so much to find a shop because we were like, well, it must just be. Yeah. It's not where I think it should be because it should be here. Is this right? Or am I on the wrong side now? And yeah, and then they just, I just guess there wasn't one. I remember finding where the shop used to be and you know, the guy's little poop shaft, just like yeah. flying up the poop shaft to see if he was at the other side of it. But no, I didn't even find that. And, and apparently there's a way you can surprise him or something. There's a trophy for it. Do you come up from underneath? <laughs> you, and I were talk- you and I were talking about that. We wanted to go there. Yeah. Go under his little hole bit, but he always talks to you when you do it. But yeah. I think there was people asked. I swear I saw a trophy for surprising the guy. Could must be up must his ass. Yes, <laughs> we'll surprise him. Surprise! You, it's such a bit. You'd have to bat up there as well. So you just get a bat up the backside. Yeah, you're not gonna. Or you, I mean, he, he can take form of mist, so he could be like a you know <laughs> sucking a fart back in. Yeah. <laughs> Sits there and just waits all day for the shopkeeper to drop a little love puff, and then he just squeezes himself in, and goes. Oh, my fart's coming back into me. No, it's just the helicopter. <laughs> Maybe the worst way, though, is the super jump. Like, super jumping from the ground oh, yeah. right off <laughs> him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's him. nothing fun about that. No. <laughs> no. If he's got this bastard sword two-handed as well while he's doing it. <laughs> so I Man also, um, it took me to the end of the game because I didn't ever, until I had more money than I needed to, because I actually never went into how I cheesed Dracula at the end. But, um... Once I got back to the shop before I completed the game and I had more money than I needed, I was I thought I'm going to try and buy some of these tactics just to see what they are. The spells. Did you, did you ever do it? No, there's a there's a, a an oh option yeah tactics. yeah yeah no I didn't do those. So I bought the cheapest one. It was Dracula, and basically what it is is a video showing you how to kill Dracula in the in the best quickest way. I wonder if that is in the original. I'm not sure. But I was watching. Hmm. I was like, "Oh, so that's what it is." Because I actually got a, um, I got some like heart heart bits and life ex- like improve. What do you call those? Like things that make you give you more life and more hearts and stuff like that. Yeah, like um, max HP up or whatever. It yeah. Is. So in the on where Richter is on his way to fight Dracula at the very start of the game, you can go back there as Alucard and there's like a dot on the wall. If you hit the dot with your weapon, a a, a drawbridge falls down. And you can go up the drawbridge, and it's got loads of bonus items and stuff like that. Which is oh really shit! Cool. Yeah, that's probably part of the. That'll definitely that maybe would have pushed you one over and the a half edge. percent I missed. No, you've you because you missed that little dot. Alucard's alone, and Maria's not worried about it. <laughs> yeah, same as I did to poor old Geralt. Yeah, leaving all these protagonists <laughs> completely. There's <laughs> a pot noodle and a wank for the rest of time. That's it. Well, I, maybe Geralt got to keep that horse, or was it like unicorn thing? That- oh, he had to hang around with Dandelion, didn't he? Oh yeah. So probably. I guess at the end, at the end of it, he's just probably resigned himself to gayness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, of that, speaking um, of the, gayness, the, the, yeah, the Castlevania uh, anime or animated series. Yeah, there's a bisexual threesome with uh, Alucard in that one. Excellent. To look forward to. Yeah. I did not expect that. But he doesn't care who he is. He'll fuck anything that moves. Fair enough. Can't yeah. really argue with that. He's got to live forever, so... Yeah, exactly. I suppose if you live that long, then everything comes around at some point. Literally. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of touched on it, but I just think it's worth mentioning again that the variation in enemy types in this game is just 
ridiculous, I suppose. Is yeah. Crazy. Um, like to, I wonder how many. I, th- I was looking at a best year. I, I didn't actually get to the end of it. No, I. I, I wonder was... how much, how many there are. Let's see how many there are. Hundred and um, fifty-six. Ninety-nine. The schmoo. They are sons <laughs> of bitches. Those schmoos. I did like the Tin Man, Lion, and um, Scarecrow as the. Wizard of Oz. Did uh, you enemies. ever kill any of the guys in the clock room, the big long clock room? Those massive. Yeah, guys. I killed some of them guardians at the end, like right at the end on my way back to the to open it up to go fight Dracula. I, I got managed to kill one. I of got them. so done in by them, I just gave up. Gave they were up. ridiculous. That, I, that was when I was no longer doing one damage to them, though. I couldn't have done it before that because that thing they shoot across the ground with their swords was just like brutal, just mm-hmm. absolutely wreck me. We've spoken about this a couple of times in various podcasts over the years. Um, I it's it's so interesting to me that games that over the years that go for realism and try and be the most realistic, amazing looking thing, most modern, up to date games, tend to age really poorly. Whereas games that have a sort of art style in mind before they begin are not just shooting for shiny realism tend to last better does that make sense I, so like i can't think i can't think off the top of my head of a playstation one game that will have aged as well as this as well as this maybe parappa the rapper or something that's again as basic as this but it's going to be in the top two percent of games in terms of still looking very visually it's definitely not going to be any of the, yeah like because especially because this would have well it's 97 i'm pretty sure the ps1 came out in 97 didn't it so like for us yeah, like it was, it was very. It came out in launch year or launch window, whatever the sort of term is in the video game industry. Like it's probably better. So it would have came along before the the birth of DualShock, I guess is what I'm getting at. So yeah, like Metal Gear Solid was like '98 when it. Yeah, like, like early 3D games where you still had to use a D pad to move around. Have well, not yeah, used they well. just yeah they don't handle as well. They don't look they don't look that good anymore. They can be like clunky and really primitive, but this is like a 2D adventure game mm-hmm. after they'd been going for like well over 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, well, I mean, when's, yeah, the NES was like 85, wasn't it? So you're talking mm-hmm. pff, probably 10 years by the time they'd finished making it. You've got 10 years honing it on on a new piece of machinery mm-hmm. rather than, yeah, trying to revolutionize things with primitive technology for what you're trying to achieve versus mm-hmm. now. So, yeah, it's, it holds up beautifully, and it, like I said, it just—it's so smooth to play. It's just—it feels so satisfying. There's so many fun weapons to use. The movement is really good fun. The, the enemy variety keeps things fresh in every room you walk into. Mm. The map works works really well. They've probably not really deviated from it that much in in any of the history of these this series because this was done so well. Like in um, Metroid. It kind of works the same way, mm. but you could also open them, unlock the map rooms, couldn't you? So you would get like a whole. Yeah. You could buy a map in this one, couldn't you? Actually, yeah. Thinking about it. Um, but uh, yeah, there's uh, there's so little that we could say that's bad about it. I mean, other than the inventory management, which again probably just feels like a consequence of it being a nascent stage for this type of, certainly for this series, yeah. this type of action adventure inventory management because you think the legend of zelda games never gave you this much stuff 
no. which is what they're basing it it's off. It's pure volume, you, isn't it? And there's no way to sort. It. That's yeah. the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or sort. Yeah, because in later games you could sell anything. Mm-hmm. So obviously by that point you, you would just sell Stuff weapons you and using, yeah. armor you didn't need. But at this one you can only sell the gems and everything else. It's just it's just stored by whatever you got most recently, and it's horrible. Especially if you go all the way back in somewhere halfway up to get like a potion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then you end up losing your weapon in there because you have to, especially for me, I had a two handed weapon. So every time I wanted to use a healing item, I had to have no weapon at all for a few seconds. That's right. To yeah. then throw a fucking Frankfurter on the floor and eat it and then, and then run after it. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then re equip my weapon again. Very, very odd. But I guess baby steps at that point. Imagine if that's how, you, if you just had to do that for a day. Every time you eat some, rather than just like pick it up and eat it before you like to eat it, you had to throw it and chase it. It's yeah to like put your phone down specifically, like unequip yeah. your phone to then equip an apple, throw it on the floor, and then go eat it. <laughs> it's not good. And some of the stuff he eats as well is is not like um, evocative of the time period in which it is set. Like like I said, like a frankfurter. You're not gonna be eating. You're not gonna eat a frankfurter in fucking like. 1700s gothic you know ca- uh, castles with Dracula hanging about and it, where so are you? did I pick it up right the meal tickets just random food items yeah yeah it's just going to give you anything like ice cream and green tea and all this weird stuff like he's having a right old feast in what my game going to get yeah except so. the peanuts because he just throws them in the air and you just can't them. catch them yeah rubbish Strange, strange game. I did actually come around, and I think I've just, I've just, in a weird. This is going to sound so weird, but in a strange way, I've come around whilst recording this podcast, or I've realised I've come around without doing it because I was all prepared to tell you that I didn't enjoy the way the game did saves, but actually, come the end of the game, I quite liked it because it, it, it created real jeopardy jeopardy it, it, yeah it does in the game that- or, and vice versa real genuine like sanctuary when you find a save room mm-hmm. especially when you you think that you've started to i said it to you when i was watching you, you didn't know like you've started to figure out roughly where they they're going to be putting yeah. a save room now you can kind of sniff out which direction looks like it might be a save room but like if you if you thought you were going to a save room and it actually ended up being a boss room that was the worst like oh, oh shit it was the other one. And then you try and run. And most of the boss rooms I like that you could just you could just leave. Because yeah. you'd have like music for most of the game. And then you'd go in a boss room and all the music yeah, would like, stop and it would nah, have to do I'm a little bit of loading. There, yeah. yeah. Like, hang on a minute. Yeah, because I was yeah. trying to think of things that I would I would change. One thing I definitely but in, in like I was got all ready to say that that's something I would change, but I don't think I would now. I would leave well, it. We were spoilt by having the, the save states on the Metroid, weren't we? So we kind yeah. of Maybe wished that was because we were playing disclosure for the listeners. We played this on, as David kind of pointed out earlier, the Requiem version, which is on PS4. We did mm. it on PS5. I think we need to talk about that as well later. Okay, but you can carry on. Well, yeah, the only other thing, the one thing I was, I was going to say, one thing I definitely would change about this game if I was redesigning. It, I and I don't understand how this was even considered a good idea in '97. Is why magic is represented as hearts because that made for, <laughs> honestly for about two hours i was thinking i was getting my life back and then i was just dying <laughs> it's daft it's in it yeah the the only game that i've played that i can think of offhand 
is um, Bloodlines on the on the Genesis or New Generation on the Mega Drive, um, where they replaced it with gems mm-hmm. for your magic. There was no hearts at all in that game. So, yeah, I've never understood why they did it that way around. From day one, game one, hearts replenish your MP rather than your actual health. And usually it was like a roast ham or something. All right, okay. Yeah. Which you'd find if you play Rondo of Blood, you have to hit the walls and there's always like a roast ham joint in there. And that gives you your health back. But most of those old games, you never really got any health back. It was just kind of like, unless you can find a secret health thing, you ain't getting any more health. So good luck to you, mate. No. Okay. Um, tell me about these versions of the game. Well, I, I need to look into it because... Um, I don't actually know what the general consensus of Requiem is. Now, the only thing I can kind of notice is that they used the Dracula X Chronicles dialogue and voice acting, which pissed me off because I wanted to hear, you know, man is a miserable little pile of secrets um, because it's so campy and shit. Everybody loves it. And I don't know why they took that out. Um, There was clearly some um, tightening up and sharpening of a lot of the 3D polygonal models, like the save oh, stuff, really? the big okay. red orb and the, the casket that he goes, or the coffin that he goes in. Some of the magic effects look like they'd been redone. Other than that, there's like there's no there's no um, save state function. There's no rewind function that you get with all the Switch stuff. There's no additional features, as far as I could tell. There's no, like, they haven't had anything bonus to the game. I can't really tell what, whether this would be seen as, like, a typical, like, oh, Konami cash grab kind of shit. Um, so I'm just going to see what the review scores are for that and what people actually said at the time. Yeah, hey, I'm watching the... I'm, disappointment. I'm... A nostalgic disappointment, says Den of Geek. Oh, right. But were, they, were they looking for more to be done to the visuals? Let's have a look, shall we? Let's see what Den of Geek had to say for themselves. It's a disappointing bundle as a whole. It's impossible to hate the games included. Um, I mean, I'm watching... Lazy port of these games, time to release, as an obvious cash-in with the second season of the Netflix show. Um, are people talking about the stuff that was done for things like Mega Man and Metal Gear Solid Legacy Collections? Um... It was the first Castlevania product released for four years. Obviously, it has trophy support. That's a new, another new thing. I'm watching the the PS1 version of the game at the moment. And if I'm honest, I wouldn't have known really any difference if someone had said this is the version of the game you played. I probably wouldn't have known. Most of yeah, it so looks th- very similar. Um, so they have said. Even with the bump to 4K resolution, the graphics are beginning to show their age. The emulation has smoothed out the backgrounds just a tad, making the character sprites look a little blurrier. Still, the controls remain tight and the gothic orchestral soundtrack stands up. Yeah, that's a great soundtrack. More frustrating is the occasional slowdown and noticeable loading times. Sure, those were in the original game, but it's a good indication of how little effort went into this port. I guess the loading times are a good It's based off the 2007 PSP release, which was the the other one there. And they were obviously very annoyed at the miserable little pile of secrets uh, being gone. But then he reckons the voice acting was of high quality. And they're saying Rondo of Blood hasn't held up nearly as well as Symphony of the Night because it's traditional. Yeah. 
but by the sounds of what you're saying, that sounds accurate to me. Yeah, the game stands up on its own in terms of a port of the or you know an updated remaster. It's not been remastered in any way whatsoever, other than uh, like I say, a couple of maybe sharper three of the polygonal parts. I always I'm trying really probably isn't enough. Yeah, I always think about like what do I want to see from these games and. I can I can convince myself either way. Like in some respects, I do want because we're as an industry we're so bad at preserving games. I do think access to the original, as intended, as released game is probably quite important. But at the same time, I see. Yeah, I understand that people are turned off by a lot of these visuals um, in gameplay things, and there are sort of quality of life improvements that can be made that I think should probably be made. I think. To me, when I come down on it, maybe the best option is, and it's not it's not feasible for everything, but it's certainly feasible for this game, is the Halo Master Chief Collection approach. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. And Monkey Island did it as well, didn't it? Yeah. Where you press a button and you're back to the old version, press the button again, you're back to the new version. Mm-hmm. I remember um, Simon and I used to get absolute cream in our jeans over the prospect of things like say, for example, Streets of Rage, before they did Streets of Rage 4, mm-hmm. on the Wii U, where you had the, the gamepad, and we always used to say, why do no games have it where you look at the television screen, you've got Halo Master Chief Collection version, you look at the gamepad, you've got Halo Xbox version. Like, yeah. why did that never happen? <laughs> that would have um, been cool, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, I think one of the best examples of this that's kind of like a middle version of that mm. is the Chrono Trigger DS version. So that that's my own, that's played. the only thing I've played of Chrono Trigger. Is the D- oh, that because that's got your inventory on the bottom screen, right? Exactly. I'm not sure how I would enjoy that without that. No, I've I've been put off the SNES version a lot because it's a, sec- a separate screen you have to go to every. The Wii version is like that as well, isn't it? That's the yeah. I have that version first, and I think I tried playing it, and it was a bit awkward. So that's when I got the DS version, which seems to be the way to play it. And it has all the PlayStation anime cutscenes in it as well. There's still a bit of me that wants to get a DS and get that game again. I definitely want to play that game again Mm -hmm. before I snuff it. Before we go. So, yeah, they could have maybe... uh, Would it have really killed them to allow you to sort your inventory here? Would it have really killed them to sharpen up the visuals a little bit? No, Um, but... Yeah, I guess that's a disappointing thing. Put a gallery in there, some concept art, put some videos in there. You look at think about Rare Replay then versus this. Mm-hmm. Rare Replay's got about thirty games on it, and it's got documentaries and shit. This has two games on it, and it has absolutely nothing. It's strange how little. I guess it's because the people with the purse strings don't play games. I wonder if that's part of it. Like they just don't have the yeah the people designing the games do, and people like us do, but the people actually paying for these things to come out don't have the love for games that we do and i wonder if they just see easy money and Plus that's we why we end up with these things we both bought it so yeah exactly we're part so of the problem yeah so i don't know exactly everything about this because this is just reading it from like forum posts and stuff but the this so i didn't realize until you said it i think that the saturn version is actually like a port not yeah. a simultaneously developed entity apparently um, it does allow you to play Richter and Maria from the start and has two new areas of the castle. Oh, the new areas. I didn't know about that. 
but apparently it does and i think tim who we were going to get on here to do this but mm-hmm. i think he's unable to join us from sega mania he has said that it has a lot of issues with like slowdown and graphical oh, problems really? um some people here seem to think that it looks better on the saturn because i think the saturn had quite a a really like impressive video card didn't it but apparently the saturn was really difficult to develop for that's why nothing really looked as good as yeah and i've got a vague memory of when we were reading that when we were reading Is that audio book we both listened it was to a, it was, yeah and it was sega related um service maybe, games yeah it was either service games or console wars and and basically yeah. the that sega put a bet on the direction of the games industry was going to go in terms of when they were designing the the Saturn, and they they put a bet on two D games still being a thing. So I would I would have guessed off the, based on that information that I'm, I've pulled from somewhere, it might have been easier to develop for the Saturn, or it might have been more set up for development on the Saturn than the PlayStation. It does was feel like it's it's like this was a Saturn game that they brought to the PlayStation rather than the other way yeah. around, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, again, again, doubly well, triply so. Then considering the start of this podcast, we were discussing how Konami were developing it for the well there was 32x 30, yes yeah, i didn't know that either decided to concentrate on playstation obviously because playstation became the bigger the bigger deal during that, <laughs> yeah. that generation yeah but, which is interesting yeah and, and I, it does make sense but it, i guess the slowdown thing is puts a sort of fly in the ointment of that because in my head like we're saying even the design of the controller and the saturn is probably ultimately by time how the ps1 controller finished up with the dualshock was um geared towards 2d games in a way that yeah playstation was leaving behind yeah is there anything you think we've missed alex the only the only two other pieces of like tidbit information i've got for you is that richter is german for judge and renard maria's second name is french yep. for fox and that's the only info was... i have for you Apparently, was it, is it her outfit was kind of loosely based on what Winona Ryder wore in uh, the Bram Stoker's Dracula film? Yeah. And um, I think that Shaft is supposed to be dressed up the way that Gary Oldman was in that film as well. Interesting. Rather than how Shaft was in his films. Really? Yeah. They should have just gone full Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. Fucking backwards Kango hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing I didn't quite—I said this to you before, though. I—I I, want—I want, and I want this clarified and put on record. Is so. Alucard brings Dracula back to life just to kill him, so he goes and collects all his bits and pieces. Why does he not just go and get like one of his ribs and burn it? We never figured this out, did we? We never got to the bottom of why are you collecting to bring back Dracula, Dracula to stop Dracula coming back? Seems to be the. It's like is that, what, is that what you said in the story thing? Yeah, it's almost like so. Yeah, he goes to kill. He goes. He basically comes back to kill Dracula. And I, I guess there's yeah. like family, family stuff in it. But yeah, Dracula wasn't back as soon as that. But you collect. So, yeah, his, it, just, it just says you collect because his Shaft bones. is the one. Shaft is the one who's reviving him. So what am I collecting so to, bits and pieces for him then? We have to possess five relics in order to open the door to Shaft. Oh, so it's not Dracula's bones. It's someone else's. After defeating Shaft, Dracula will revive from the relics, allowing Alucard an opportunity to finally put an end to his evil father. Just don't so I guess, get yeah. the relics, and then job done, right? 
Save yourself the effort of murdering your dad. Yeah. Was very pleased that, he, that the Dracula fight, um, you don't get collision detection damage from most of Dracula. Like the outside bits. Yes, yes. And the head. You can hit the head, it doesn't hurt you. It's just the hands that hurt you. Which is, and I've alluded it to twice now and then forgot I was talking about it and moved on. So I'm just going to blurt it out now while I've remembered. I went back to the shop and bought like 50 health potions. And basically, I that's what you were going to say. Yeah, and basically just like spam Dracula. And then every time my health got low, I just started smashing circle and then went back to smashing it square and then just beat him that way. And he was an absolute I don't think that's breeze. cheesing it at all. I don't think that's cheesing it at all. Did you get... I sent you the um, the video of me killing the, the giant bat or whatever it is. Did you... I sent it to you on PlayStation, though. Can you look at stuff like that in the PlayStation app? Does that work? I guess you probably can, yeah. We, As we discovered, we do get confused by the PlayStation app because <laughs> we were sitting in solo parties for a while. Oh, fucking hell. That is terrible. You, I, I've started a party with you. Have you? you have to join that party. You're not in it. Let's get some sound effects in here. <laughs> I love that <laughs> it just looks like your bat gives him an absolute nut punch to dunk. Yeah, just <laughs> Just to finish the fight, it's just a little little nut punch from from your wee bat pal. And you can see, like after he drops to the ground, there's me hitting him again. Like this can't be it. It can't be. I've only hit him like five times. <laughs> That's one of the main bosses of the second part. I mean, the fucking right. We haven't really talked about that, have we? The fact that my god, the inverted castle was hard. Oh, it really is. hard. And we discovered I went the wrong way, so I went the hard way. No wonder I kept I losing I, progress yeah, over and like over and over again. Yeah, you went to the hardest. Yeah, you went to the fed, hardest bit. The moment I went a different direction, and it became a bit of a breeze. I must have leveled my because I was at the point where I was like hitting an enemy level, and I, I, you said that happened. Yeah, but it went on for a while. I was just like hitting one enemy, leveling up, hitting an enemy, <laughs> yeah. leveling up. Yeah, and, it's pretty weird. And then I went the other way. And it was a bit of a breeze, so I almost like I went from being under leveled to over leveled to the next section. Yeah, I think you definitely went the hardest direction, but I think the beginning of the game is also quite punishing as well. Um, mm. After you've got all your powers taken off you by death, um, there's like a you know it's a bit of a of a death of attrition. son of a bitch, man. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he is tough. Why is he Dracula's but, yeah, mate? I, like Dracula surely should be his enemy because Dracula sort of avoiding death by being a by being a vampire uh, vampires do they die if they don't drink blood for sustenance <sighs> or is it the only way that they die is you have a stake through the heart because that means probably that's probably why death doesn't have any beef with him does he because he's like i haven't got to deal with you at any point uh, you're, you're just Me not you on just my radar out. yeah we might as well hang out for a bit yeah he's maybe maybe they're just pals because you're right they're just hanging out yeah everyone else dies or death's got to come for you at some point there's a um, in the the one that I did for Sega Mania magazine, which is uh, Bloodlines, that's set in like 1917 or something. And um, the the enemy in that game, Castlevania. yeah, the 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 woman called I think her name is like Elizabeth Bartley. She wants to resurrect Dracula, but she does so by being a shadow figure, who like 
influenced the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand and the start of the First World War. <laughs> and her plan was to use the souls of the people who died in World War One to resurrect Dracula. That's some fucked up shit. That is nuts. And she, her character name is based on some Romanian or Bulgarian countess who is um, not convicted, but apparently the the world's uh, most prominent female serial killer of all time. Wow. Okay. That is that some is fucked up history. That is we. That is. There's the odd thing. You're like, why is this here? I remember when I was in New Orleans, I went to a serial killer museum. And I mean, I watched the Jimmy Savile documentary on Netflix the other night. <laughs> You're walking through it, yeah. At night, I've got, I've got a five-month-old baby, and I'm like, let's watch this paedophile program. This is interesting. This will be good. I mean, it is interesting, because I cannot believe that that man was as prominent in British society yeah. as he was, because he was always a fucking mentalist. And, like, after the Lockerbie bombing, Prince Charles was, like, writing him letters asking Jimmy Savile what he should say. And Jimmy Savile was giving them advice. My God. And Margaret Thatcher pushed for him to be knighted. Sir and he was an Savile. absolute uber-nonce that was just wrecking paraplegic children <sighs> with his little Jimmy. Unbelievable. I employ, You should watch... Well, depends what you're into, but if you want to watch something like really harrowing, watch that two-part Jimmy Savile documentary. Well, I walked around... Uh serial killer museum that had in I would it, go to that well it, had, well it had in it which where I was going with this it had like a glass box and in said glass box this like hermetically sealed glass box was a pair of pants that a serial killer wore while she was being executed it's just oh, these, not these, as bad as I thought that's these, okay this is pants Maybe I thought it was going to be like you know Edward oh, what the hell was the guy's name Chuck Norris Edward Scissorhands <laughs> did you never watch the series Mindhunter nope amazing it was so good Edward Kemper who's that boy he was like a a really big serial killer in the states in the 60s or 70s um, had real mother issues oh, I thought you were going to say it was a pair of his mum's pants that he wore while killing people wow yep nope. not quite as fucked up as that not quite not quite but if you're interested in that then you should watch Mindhunter just be disappointed that they're never going to make a third series it's, if you like that kind of shit it's like it's a show that's based around like how the FBI built itself um, a department for hunting serial killers before serial killers were really like a thing that people used in lexicon I've seen like three quarters of one episode of that. I remember that has kicked loose a memory in my head. For some reason, I didn't. And they like with go it. and interview. They go and interview people like Ed Kemper and Charles Manson and stuff to try and like psychologically profile them to then know how to find and capture. Series. It's so good. I cannot believe so, they don't, it's not going anymore. What we're saying is, we need to recommend to our listeners to get on a plane to New Orleans because this is a nice, as some nice Easter weekend activities. Go and oh, look at yeah, some. Yeah, you've got all the time in the world. Go and look at some serial killer pants. Follow that yeah. up with a bit of Mind Hunter, Mind Hunter, mm. and then wash it down with some Castlevania bloodlines <laughs> at the end. And then, and then, little chaser of Jimmy Savile. <laughs> <Jimmy laughs> oh yeah, Savile I forgot about that guy. Yeah, just a little Jimmy Savile chaser. <laughs> and that is that is a full weekend of action for our listeners. And that is episode 37, everybody. <laughs> Once you've got through that, if you're still on this mortal coil... You can get excited about the fact that our Game of the Year nominations are going to be seriously under threat from a Castlevania sweep. Yeah, they are. They are. They are. what a they game. Are. 
I am absolutely delighted that you enjoyed this because you have watched this game be played in speedrun fashion. I think we touched on that before. Yeah, You've seen people been walking walk their way through this for many yeah. a year. We did our... Um, uh, I don't remember what guys of podcast. It was possibly Gamertron. We did some kind of PlayStation countdown and I pushed hard for Symphony of the Night to be amongst the top echelons of mm -hmm. that and you'd not played it so you had to s sort of concede that it was good without ever playing it and i think if we never did this podcast you never would have played it no i'm delighted definitely that you would have. have yeah and that you the genre is now of interest to you because as i said i want you to play bloodstained i want to play bloodstained again uh, there are loads of castlevania games you would enjoy of this ilk as yeah well. and i've been badgering you look warmly about this interflax game that has appeared on game pass which i think we need to yeah. at least try yeah, I, I, I also it's... really want to go back and play the game that i always forget the fucking name of now i'm getting old um it's the like the it's the metroid ripoff they said a sequel recently and it's like a space shoot oh thing. i know exactly what you mean the the set the sequel is very different i think to the first one i, I believe i yeah i heard that as well the other one why do i forget this all the fucking time while while we're trying to think of this game there's another one to think of that i rumor has it is getting a remake for game pass it's an epic developed version of a castlevania like game axiom verge axiom verge that's the one metroidvania epic see if that epic games maybe i beg your pardon what fortnite blokes are making a metroidvania no no they made one ages ago it was like i'm sure oh, it's i know like... the one you mean it's um begins with an s it was on xbox 360 and it was called shadow no not shadow shadow complex yeah, Shadow Complex is really good from what I well, from when I played it. Um, one thing as well, um, when I was designing or going through ideas for my gaming sleeve tattoo, mm. I, I really wanted a Castlevania element to it, but it just feels like all of it is so religious, mm. like religion tinged. I thought I'm just not going to do it. <clears throat> it's going to be like a crucifix or something. I don't want to do that. Are you going holiday to Italy or something and just get attacked by a priest? For having some sort of <laughs> demonic, or they'd force that woman to redo my tattoo like she did that picture of Jesus and make Paul look like a fucking <laughs> melted potato with a beard on. Honestly, is one of my favourite things to look for it's is like people amazing. that have done bad restorations. They just entertain me endlessly. So good. I suppose you could get like you could get a proper like Dracula's castle if you were doing it as like a big thing, but that's that would be the whole sleeve, wouldn't it? Yeah. Where the hell have I got? What have I done here? What tangent bollocks is this? <laughs> people are pining for me to start talking about jimmy savile again at this point have you ever read the since we're on this subject have you ever read actual dracula bram stoker's dracula i have not and i haven't seen any of the films either actually the book is good i, I was a big fan of the book it and it it's obviously <laughs> oh must so be it must be there must yeah. be there and but yeah, yeah. And it's um it's obviously written in old old language but it's a really really well written book and i'm trying to think like it's written like why, why did you read it then and when don't know i think i just wanted to read it okay um i respect that the, yeah it's, it's well worth it because um it's written in an interesting way it's not interesting it's been done now but like it, it back when it was done by this book it wasn't done it's written as diary entries so it's about this obviously a lawyer that goes to help dracula buy a house in london and he travels over to what? Rome, he travel he travels over to romania by cart basically he ends up in this like because it's obviously like pre-industrial 
era so there's no like electricity and stuff like that and no cars and or so much or if there are they're very early ones so basically when he gets it he's really cut off so he has to live with dracula and he's writing his diary entries and dracula slowly like worming his way into his brain basically and then his, his entries wow, i did not know any of this and then his diary entries stop and then the book then picks up with his like estranged wife her diary entries and then it's as dracula's coming over to london it's really good i would recommend that book i very okay. much enjoy it just be ready for the language because it's old but if you can get yeah. over that then it's it's a good book because i think that there's there's not there's not a lot of good opinion of the francis ford coppola film is there i don't think so which i was astounded to realize was him but mm. the godfather director did dracula and people don't like it yeah I mean, obviously, I like Dracula Dead and Loving It with Leslie Nielsen, but that is not <laughs> evocative of Bram Stoker's original. What We Do in the Shadows is another good vampire vampire movie. Yeah, that's British, is it? Uh, maybe Australian. It's it's not it's not a big budget thing anyway, but it's hilarious. It's really, oh, has it got really that good. guy in it that's in? It was in everything for a while. I think he probably wrote and directed it. I think you're right. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I'm just blanking on his name. Yes, this is it. Now, this is the one. Yeah, it's Taika Waititi. Yes, the film was excellent. Was there a film called 30 Days of Night as well? Did you ever watch yes, that? Yes, I watched that. It's like set in the Some north, kind of like you know, like Norway-ish. Town or yeah, and it's like one of, these, one of these places that when it goes dark, it stays dark for like a month. It's got Josh, Alaska, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the I've vampires are like really brutal. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking it was disappointing, considering how much people thought it was amazing. Yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I, I were like twenty years since I've watched this. I think, but like two thousand seven, yeah, yeah. More so, than that. no way. I remember thinking it was okay, but it never, my socks were firmly on my feet by the end of the movie. There's just not. There's just not. Not a lot of it going around, is there? This must be the most prominent media representation of vampires, other than Twilight. Yeah. Which wasn't really like, you know, that was for little girls. Yeah. I can't think of a lot of vampire stuff these days. Blade. Oh, yeah, of course. He was a vampire hunter. Hunter, Was he a vampire? Yeah. Well, he's a daywalker, so he's like, he's got all the, he's like a a vampire alloy. Yeah, he's a vampire alloy. He's got all the, you know, he's got all the good bits with the bad bits, so he can go out during the day and stuff, but he's got all the strength and speed of a vampire. There's a name for that that I heard earlier on. Like a Dampnir or something? Oh, yeah, that's what Alucard is. He's a Dampfir, D-A-M-P-H-I-R. Oh, no, it's D-H-A-M-P-I-R. That's it. It's basically the result of a union between a vampire and a mortal human, which is what Alucard is, obviously. It's usually between male vampires and female mortal humans. Well, no shit. Fucking <laughs> female vampires raping all the dudes. Like, come and get me, baby. <laughs> And on that happy note, I suppose that brings us towards the end of episode 37. Have you got any housekeeping? An announcement to make for yourself, haven't you? I guess I do, yeah. I guess things have changed since I was last on this podcast. I have joined Alex alongside, I have sidled up alongside, squidgened on up, moved him up the bench. And I sit on over. Yeah, mooched on over with Alex, and I'm now part of the Sega Mania team. So. Check out he that, had the I guess. world's 
shortest audition as the blog writer before almost immediately being just shoved straight onto the magazine and podcast and all the features of the magazine like a regular staffer just smashed on in there i do have another blog post that i'll be finishing off tomorrow so you can have a so by the time you get this podcast you head over the blog post and there'll be two blogs for me sitting on the website did you play any of your issue six games yet i have i played a bit of the line i've only played like little touches of here here and there i need to settle on one i played a, a couple of rounds of golf that game looks like vomit on a screen but is actually all right for its age um okay. Is it the old um, Mario Golf Mario Golf style of press it, press it, press it? Yeah, but a little power meter. I'm assuming it's not as incredible. I think this one's incredibly unforgiving. So if you you're out with your timings even slightly, and there's any sort of wind, your ball's gone. It is oh it is rough? Um, and I did a bit of micro machines, and I was. What kept jumping to mind when I was playing micro machines is the saying that you should never meet your heroes, and. Unfortunately, oh, no. Micro Machines has made me realise that the la- there's there's no map on screen, so you've got to. I like the way the cars handle, but to actually get round the tracks and win a race, you've got to have memorised the track really, so that you know when the corners are coming, and that is that is bad. I was worried about this. This is Micro Machines two, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. And I've because it got the first one got a slate in, and everyone on the mag hates it. I feel like I'm the only one who loves it, but maybe I don't love it either. Yeah, I think... So I remember playing Microsoft a lot and liking it a lot. I think it was because I kid not had time to play it and learn the levels. Um, yeah. Because it's not... It's really unforgiving. Because like corners will just come out of nowhere and then you just go flying off the map and then you've got to sit <laughs> and watch your little car spin into the ground. Um, and then I've I've done the first level of the Lion King and that the music at least in the first level is unbelievable so good beautiful what yeah. a beautiful video game yeah um, and that's where I'm at what about you? I've played KO Flying Squadron which is fucking ridiculous it is a cute up yeah I was going to say has it got a weird girl in a it's like a swimsuit yeah. yeah with bunny ears T- yeah why did they do stuff like that? Take it you washed Who's this. This for? was what you washed down with Jimmy Savile, right? Well, I felt like I was in the right, yeah, right frame of mind for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The weirdest thing about that game is that the opening cutscene talks about like what appears to be somewhere around like again pre-industrial revolution era Japan, mm-hmm. and then the the US come in and they've got all this technology or all this weaponry and there's like war going on and there's like real political tension and then literally the voiceover guy goes unrelated to all of that there's this and then it just goes to the fucking nonsense of the main character and a little jump bunny suit thing but they actually tell you all this interesting shingo but don't worry about any of that well why did you tell me for a start and i would rather hear about that yeah there's a there's this little girl's got like an old granny that's clearly voiced by one of the developers who's a man. So he talks like this. Oh fuck me! I'll show you the cutscenes. They are ridiculous. Oh, I can't wait for this. Fucking hell! I mean, the game itself is great. It's a it's a it's a shooter. So I love playing. I, I've got a real affinity towards old school shmups. Mm-hmm. But and this, I don't want to spoil my review too much. But they, they've always felt like they are like the outlier of the easy difficulty. They are like the, you know, mm-hmm. the one easy difficulty that exists in video games that is a lie. Mm-hmm. But this game, 
has an easy difficulty that is easy. And then I felt weird because it was easy. Should I feel weird? Easy should be easy. It was easy. Yeah. But if you play Ikaruga on easy, that ain't fucking easy. <laughs> if you play that game me and you played in, in uh, the Leeds arcade on oh, easy, yeah. that wasn't easy. No. We pumped. If we were using real money, we'd have been broke. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It's kind of like Dark Souls. Yeah, I don't want an easy mode in Dark Souls. Like I'm playing a shooter. And I, I put it on easy and it was it, it was easy and I was annoyed by that. It was really weird. <laughs> so I'm going to have some real fun writing about this dichotomy of what easy should mean yeah. in a game for that. But the game is batshit insane. And it's just like, you know, it is for me the staple of I like weird Japanese shit. Yeah, there you go. Here's KO Flying Squadron. It's weird Japanese shit. Um, there's a, just, yeah. You've got a JRPG looking thing, I'm sure, that I'm looking yeah, forward to Yeah, I've got the, the Sega's Fire Emblem. Yeah. Which is... Um, they're fantastic those games they're just gonna that one's gonna take me the longest so that'll be on the switch that will just go on like on the under the under the radar along while i do the, the shorter ones yeah while i fuck about with like wolverine and virtual bar and shack Fu. that'll be being played on the toilet in between the one i'm looking forward to playing this is what we're doing is listing games now it's probably not interesting <laughs> so i'll just do this one and stop the one i am looking forward to having a go that i've got is the incredible hulk game because it looks like there's a bit of there's some sort of mechanics surrounding bruce banner is it bruce banner and oh, yes. the hulk that you can because i've seen when i was looking at videos of this there there's there's periods of the game where you're both characters and you change between the two. So like interesting to see how that. that that sort of plays. We should, we should try and coincide that. I'll play Wolverine while you play that and then we've both got like a Marvel property and we yeah. can kind of compare notes. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, very well done, David, for getting himself in on the mag. Yeah. We're just, a, we're just forever... Stuck together. That's it. We are we the live. video, the we video live. game industry's PJ and Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> Except neither of us are drunk drivers. Not yet. Not yet. Not Give yet. it time. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I suppose on that bombshell brings us to the end of the episode, Alex. So I'll do a quick bit of housekeeping. For I just remember because I almost vacated the room without saying that. If you want to send us a podcast, a podcast, send us a podcast if you like. But Go if you want it. to send We're us, not a, listen to it. No, if you want to send us an email, send us an email over to a winner is you pod at gmail You can watch this podcast by looking. Did for, we didn't get another email, did we? No, I checked while we were chatting because I was like, oh, I forgot to check before we started this podcast. But I thought no, he did send another email in. It's not. It's not appeared in my inbox. Um, if you want to watch this podcast, if you're listening to it, you can head over to our YouTube, which is Open Out As You Podcast, and vice versa. If you're watching this podcast and you'd like us in your ear holes instead, instead of looking at our faces, you will find us on pretty much any podcast platform at this point. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at David Smiley One S M I L L I E. You can follow Alex, which is at Super Thrillix, and you can follow us to see when new episodes drop, which is at Winner Is You Pod. I think that's it, Alex. I think you're right. I just, I, I swear he said he sent us an email. Maybe he sent it to the wrong. Yeah, he did. There's still time for me to read this out. Yeah, read get it, it in there. Yeah, let's go, let's go. Let's get it in there. Is this Rob? Yeah. So our old pal, before we, before we end the show, our, our old pal Rob, or new pal really, um, has sent us another email, um, which I will read out to you. This is, uh, I really enjoyed reading this, so hopefully you will enjoy it as well. <laughs> He says, <clears throat> hello, lads. I hope this finds you well. Thanks for reading my email on your last podcast. You seem to enjoy it, and I enjoyed listening to it. Hopefully others others did too. So I thought I'd send you another. 
Alex told me the next couple of games you're covering, but I've not got anything to say about them. So I thought instead I'd tell you about the time I signed up for an evening class to learn French, the sexiest of all languages, in an effort to woo a lady. This was around 2003, and I fancied a girl I worked with. I, uh, I was in my very early 20s, so of course I fancied a girl at work. One day she mentioned to me in passing that she'd signed up for a French night class. I saw my opportunity, despite having zero interest in learning another language. Oh, I absolutely love French. J'adore Francais, I continued, in order to emphasise my love of the language of the French. <laughs> yeah, you should sign up too, she said. Get in. I played it cool. Yeah, you think? Well, maybe. Five minutes later, I was signed up for it. This was going to be great. We'd go along together, learn a bit of French. Afterwards, I'd say, fancy a drink? She'd say, I'd in love French, to. Yeah. yeah, I'd imagine so, yeah. There was absolutely no chance this could go anything other than brilliantly. The night of the first class came along, and I was like a kid at Christmas. After work, I drove to university where I'd meet up with her. While sitting in the car park, I had a horrible realisation. What level of French was this course? It hadn't even crossed my mind oh, to no. ask. I assumed it would be basic French, but what if it wasn't? I could just about bullshit my way through anything, providing I could speak English. My French is somewhat, very lim- uh, is somewhat well, very limited. I can say, my name is, je m'appelle, pen, which is stylo, dustbin, poubelle, shit, merde, and that's my lot. She turned up and we hurried inside. There are about 10 people in the class. The teacher, started walk- Sorry, the teacher walked in and started speaking exclusively in French. Bollocks. Uh, a similar thing happened to me at university in a modern art class where the guy started talking in French as well. And people laughed and I was really fucking annoyed. Um, anyway. Okay, I was in deep merd here. Neck deep in merd. The teacher continued his flawless, fluent French introduction. He told a joke, I'm assuming everyone other than me laughed at it. Then he set up an exercise I just about worked out. He wanted us to chat and get to know the person sitting next to us. Oh, shit. However, he didn't partner me up with the girl. I was stuck with some dickhead called Je m'appelle Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I gestured for Brian to go first, and he started talking away, the clever French-speaking bastard. I smiled and nodded along with, naps- with absolutely no idea what he was talking about. He made a joke, then he laughed at his own joke, which made him made me hate him further. Then it was over to me. Je m'appelle Rob, I confidently began. Then I held up my pen. <laughs> Stilo, I said. I pointed at the bin. Poubelle. <laughs> then I was completely spent. Brian looked at me like I was a mentor, which I can't really blame him for. But what I did next horrified him further. I spoke English. Look, Brian, I don't speak French. I came along to learn some French and to get to spend time with that girl over there. Brian shouted over le teacher in French and grasped me right up in English so I could hear every word. (laughs) That was 10 minutes into a three-hour class and I have absolutely zero recollection of the remaining two hours and 50 minutes. Whatever happened is so embarrassing and shameful that my brain, to protect me, thank you, brain, has completely blocked it out. My next memory is walking out of the university three hours after walking in, asking the girl if she fancied a drink and her saying no. (laughs) (laughs) This was week one of a year-long course and I'd paid £100 to sign up for it. I was going to have to try and learn French in my own time to go along to the course and learn even more French with zero chance of getting together with this girl. However, I received a letter from the university a few days later saying that they were going to have to move the night of the class. I yes. called them and explained that I absolutely love French, but regrettedly I wanted my money back. All's well that ends well. I didn't get the girl, but I got a free French lesson that I can't remember. Keep up the good work, chaps, and you'll hear from me again, I have no doubt. P.S. GTA 5, only third on your list of top five games from UK developers. That's just crazy. What was it? Thank I you, What was our number one? <laughs> Can you remember that? 
UK developers probably fucking Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> oh yeah, Fable must have been in the top five. You'd somewhere. have put that in there. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like something I'd be fighting to get in there. The old, the old Terry Pratchett of video games. Oh, remember that? Did you, we didn't. Do, you didn't do that though. Did you remember when we did our like best games of '95 and I played a bit of Discworld or we looked up Discworld and remembered how yeah. stupid that game is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I checked with Rob. He says that story is 100% true. That's amazing. It's quite excellent. I well, can't wait for that. Yeah, can't wait for it. more emails from from him. We are yeah. going to get some more. There's a the guy at my work named Will. Um, he's a top lad. He is on his second Elden Ring. Is this, I was about to say, is this the Elden Ring addict? Yeah, he is going to email us some stuff to talk about when we get to Elden Ring. But part two, because he says he can only really... All the lore stuff he's got is end game lore, so he's gonna he's gonna oh, help brilliant. us out with some of that. Okay, um, that's with, good. With a lovely old email for that. Well, as as you discovered last night, I have absolutely no idea what's going on in that game because I just smashed through. You have no desire to know what's going on. No. Are you? You're just a shameless text skipper. You are. Just I'm usually not. I'm usually such a a lore fiend, but when it comes to the Souls games, I just like ah, uh, There are very few games I think that are set up to be as long, as immersive, and as under the hood story driven as mm-hmm. these games that don't actually require you to know it to enjoy them yeah. like you can just look at the world the enemy design the atmosphere and just be in love with it and not care what the story is and yep. you're no worse for it we are going to have to talk about it in the podcast I guess yeah I'm going to have to but watch some lore videos Varty Video exists so don't worry yeah. about it he'll do the work for us yeah so yeah so keep an eye on that so you've just had episode 37 which is all things Castlevania Symphony of the Night next episode I think we're going to be doing an Elden Ring Part, part one. one yeah because we've just may, realized we how split them with something different in the middle yeah or will a, we not we were th- talking about it so yeah the next game to be playing is elden ring and there may be <laughs> you're all playing that anyway right yeah there, there may be something else in between that at least that's the plan anyway which yeah brings us to the end of a winner's you episode 37 or the of the resurrection yeah a winner's you episode 37 I've been David, he has been Alex, we're a winner of you, and I'm mute. Keep gaming. Jamapel Brian. That's a brilliant story. Your words are as empty as your soul. Mankind ill needs a savior such as you. What is a man? A miserable little pile of secrets. But enough talk. How about you? 